Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all, and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Tonight, the alarming rise in ransomware cyber attacks right here in the U.S., leading the Justice Department to declare it'll handle cases the same way it does terrorism. The warning tonight from the White House to American businesses, boost your cyber defenses. The threats are serious and increasing. What's driving the hackers? Plus, those meat plants are back online. So why will meat prices continue to tick up? COVID vaccines lag. The concern tonight from health officials that the vaccination rates in the South are too low and what that could mean for a summer outbreak. Plus, the Biden administration donating 80 million doses to other countries. Modern day Bonnie and Clyde, a 12 year old boy and 14 year old girl face attempted murder charges after a shocking shootout in Florida. Israeli power struggle. Benjamin Netanyahu isn't going down without a fight, even as his opponents strike a deal to remove the country's longest serving prime minister. Trouble in tourist towns. Customers are back in droves, but are there enough employees to service them? 50 days until the Tokyo Olympics, but can the games be held safely with much of Japan under a COVID state of emergency? Supersonic air travel, the new plane that can take you from New York to London in three and a half hours. And a commencement to cherish why a 93-year-old Army veteran graduated high school with his great-granddaughter. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news on those crippling ransomware attacks that are creating chaos for major businesses and causing real problems for average Americans. Tonight, the Department of Justice says it is so concerned about the growing threat digital extortion poses nationwide, it will now handle ransomware investigations the same way it handles terrorism cases. After a spate of attacks on everything from the world's largest meat processing company to the colonial oil pipeline, 
The White House is now warning all companies to take immediate steps to increase security, saying any business could be targeted by foreign cyber criminals. Tonight, the Justice Department is focused on tracking down the Russian hackers believed to be behind two of the latest attacks. And the White House says it's not taking any options off the table when it comes to retaliating. CBS's Jeff Begays is following the latest and is going to lead off our coverage from here in Washington. Good evening, Jeff. Nora, today the Justice Department making it clear that it will use all the tools it has to counter this growing threat. In an internal call to arms, the Justice Department's second-in-command pressing investigators to step up efforts to track down and prosecute the criminal gangs carrying out these attacks. Tonight, the Justice Department taking aim at ransomware attackers vowing to target them like terrorists noting the destructive and devastating consequences the attacks are having on critical infrastructure like the JBS meat plant this week and Colonial Pipeline last month. We recognize this is an increasing threat. The White House, too, with an extraordinary warning today to American companies to beef up their cybersecurity because no company is safe. President Biden will take up the recent attacks with Vladimir Putin during their summit in a few weeks. Both Darkseid and our evil, criminal hacking groups responsible for the two latest and biggest hacks are likely based in Russia. Experts say Putin can no longer be allowed to provide cover for these groups. We need to put additional measures in place to make them blink and, and uh, be able to exert a little bit more control over what's happening within their territory. U.S. consumers already facing high meat prices at the grocery store could see that continue in the short term because of the JBS hack. Right now, there is no federal requirement that meat processors have cybersecurity protections in place, something members of Congress want addressed. We have to be ready and have a strategy, not only on behalf of the government, the federal government, but also on behalf of the private sector. Better cybersecurity is one way of slowing down the hackers, but the experts also say cutting off the flow of the millions in stolen money or Bitcoin is also key to disrupting the hacking organizations. Nora. Jeff Pagase, thank you. We're going to turn now to the coronavirus pandemic. Tonight, the White House is pledging to give 25 million vaccine doses to countries hard hit by the virus by the end of June. That's part of a larger pledge to send 80 million shots overseas. Now, the donation comes as the White House is trying to improve low vaccination rates back here at home in the Deep South, especially in places like Alabama, where new cases have spiked nearly 50 percent. CBS's Maria Vidal is there tonight. Tonight, the Biden administration is pushing to get 70% of adults vaccinated by July 4th. This virus is an opportunist, and it will go to places where people are not vaccinated. The vaccination pace is slowing. Among the 10 states with the lowest vaccination rates, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama have the lowest percentage of adults who have received at least one dose, a stark contrast to the high vaccination rates in Vermont, Hawaii, and Massachusetts. Is there a concern that you could see another surge in Alabama? We still have people that have not been vaccinated at all. So we really just had a test over Memorial Day, quite frankly. And I think that we will have to look over the next 14 days. Even with the threat of another surge, some are still resistant to getting the shot. Have you gotten your vaccine yet? No. 
What's the what's the weight? What's the holdup? I'm just giving it some time. I'm not in a vulnerable group. This is one of the last mass vaccination sites left in the Birmingham area. Once overflowing with cars, just over a dozen people drove through in the two hours we were there. Any reason why you waited so long? I think it was just kind of figuring it out, see how everybody was doing with it. To boost vaccination rates here, incentives are being offered Southern style. At the Talladega Super Speedway, a special promotion would let you drive your car around the track after you get a shot. Meanwhile, further north, the vaccine is making millionaires, like this Amazon delivery driver, the second winner of Ohio's Vaximillion lottery. I pretty much almost lost it inside the van. The UAB health system gave out more than 210,000 vaccine doses, but they call mass vaccination sites like this one a sledgehammer approach that just isn't working anymore. So when they close it down officially on July 2nd, they will actually opt for replacing it with smaller pop-up sites at local trusted community facilities like churches and schools. Nora? Maria Vidal, thank you. Well, tonight, negotiations over President Biden's infrastructure plan have reached a critical phase with a new offer from the president. CBS's Nancy Cordes joins us now from the White House with the new details. So, Nancy, what are you hearing? Nora, President Biden is floating a major change to the way this infrastructure package would be paid for because Republicans strongly oppose his initial proposal to raise the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent. So yesterday in a meeting with West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Mr. Biden offered an alternative, a new 15 percent minimum tax on corporations, because many corporations don't even pay that much right now. In fact, at least 55 of the biggest U.S. companies paid no federal corporate income taxes last year. Now, President Biden also offered to slash his proposed new infrastructure spending nearly in half, down to about $1 trillion. But Republicans still only want to spend about a quarter of that amount. And so we're watching to see, Nora, whether all of this is enough to spark a deal. All right. Nancy Cordes with all the deal making. Thank you. And there are shocking new details tonight in that shootout in Florida between sheriff's deputies and a 14-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. The sheriff says the girl may have been inspired by Grand Theft Auto. She's recovering from gunshot wounds while the boy appeared in court today. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. You're also charged with attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer. That's just one of the charges against his 4-foot-11, 78-pound Florida boy, who is only 12 years old. Deputies say he and a 14-year-old girl opened fire on them Tuesday. Shooting out the rear windows toward my direction. Stand by. Volusia County Sheriff's deputies say the children ran away from a foster home north of Orlando, broke into this home while the family was out for groceries, and found several large firearms. In this more than nine-minute edited video of the shootout, you can hear deputies struggling with how to handle the crisis. they're shooting at me. More than 30 minutes into the standoff, deputies say they were forced to fire on the 14-year-old girl when she came out pointing a shotgun at them. You can see flashes from the police gunfire. The 12-year-old boy, who had been carrying an AK-47, surrendered, while deputies rushed to the injured girl's aid. Get up on her. Get up on her. Where have we gone wrong that 12-year-old and 14-year-old think it's okay 
to take on law enforcement. An irate Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood said that night the girl, who will also face an attempted murder charge, made it clear she wanted to kill deputies. My deputies showed more restraint than I'm showing right now because I am furious that we could be burying somebody tonight. No deputies were injured, and the 14-year-old girl is in stable condition after undergoing surgery. We've also learned the 12-year-old boy has a history of mental health issues and had been hospitalized in the past. Also tonight, the foster home from which they fled said, frankly, it is overwhelmed and feels the system has failed children like these who desperately need help. Nora? Manuel Bohorquez, thank you. Tonight, there is some good economic news. 385,000 Americans filed for first-time jobless benefits last week, the lowest number since the pandemic started. Business owners are seeing customers return but are struggling to find workers. So governors from 25 states are ending federal jobless programs early. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. COVID struck the idyllic Central California coast hard, both in cases and cost. Our main revenue stream just shut off like a faucet. With so much of this region dependent on travelers, the economy tanked. Monterey Peninsula is a tourism-based economy. It's so expensive to live here that many people that are in the service industries moved. And that's a problem now that tourists are flocking back as California prepares to lift all COVID restrictions. When you fill 100% of your seats again, will you have enough workers to serve them? Absolutely not. I've been looking for three months to find a dishwasher. Dominic Mercurio has run Cafe Fina on Monterey's Fisherman's Wharf for more than three decades. He's not alone in facing a tourist crush and a labor crunch. Bunch boys are making $25 an hour. And you still can't get people to come in? No. And if that's not enough... I have two employees that would love to come to work. They cannot find child care. At the Portola Hotel, reservations agent Stephanie Hernandez-King says that with two young daughters at home, she can't afford to work more than 20 hours a week. Daycare is very expensive. I would have to pay literally to work. I think anybody that has small children is scrambling, especially a lot of daycare centers have shut down. The hotel kept just 17 employees when it closed for nearly a year. Managing Director Janine Chikarad says she hopes to rehire more than 300. Are you sure they're all going to be there when you need it back? I pray to God. Nobody saw this coming, that's for sure. Even in the ideal getaway spot, there's no getting away from COVID's lingering effects. Carter Evans, CBS News, Monterey. Tonight, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is still fighting to keep his job, but it could be out within days. We get more now from CBS's Elizabeth Palmer. The man often called the great survivor in Israel may have finally run out of road. It appears that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu could be replaced by the right-wing former defense minister Naftali Bennett as early as next week. But he'll have to share power with political rivals, the powerful centrist Yair Lapid, and the man sitting here on the right, Mansour Abbas, from an Islamist party representing Israeli Arabs. That's historic, the first time an Arab party will have joined an Israeli government coalition. In all, eight parties had to join up to form a parliamentary majority to topple Netanyahu. But Tal Schneider, political correspondent for the Times of Israel, says it's going to be very fragile. I think a terror attack or an escalation in Gaza or any other escalation in, in one of Israel's border, this is the major risk for this coalition. 
For example, an Israeli military operation like the one last month against Palestinians could force the Arab politicians to quit the coalition and bring down the government. That would mean yet another election for weary Israelis who've already had four in two years. Parliament has to vote to approve this coalition in the next few days. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Netanyahu is doing his very best to undermine it. He just has to convince a couple of legislators to defect, and the whole thing would crumble before it even took power. Nora? Elizabeth Palmer, thank you. And tonight, the organizers of the Tokyo Olympics insist the games will be held. But 50 days out, much of Japan is still in a COVID emergency. 10,000 volunteers have quit, and calls to cancel the games are getting louder. Here's CBS's Remy Innocencio. Tonight, Tokyo Olympic organizers say the games are a go, with music, medal trays, and uniforms. The possibility of these games going on is 100%. But popular protests demand they be stopped, with Shigeru Omi, Japan's version of Dr. Anthony Fauci, saying the situation is not normal. A daily death rate higher than when the games were delayed last year. A slow vaccine rollout, now with half a million shots each day, but the true target twice that. And just 3% of Japanese fully vaxxed, the lowest in the developed world. Political scientist Koichi Nakano. Should the games go on? No, I think it's just not feasible. Doctors and nurses agree. Stop the Olympics, say these signs in a Tokyo hospital with fears of a new Olympic variant. There surely is a possibility that the Olympics could become uh, a source for virus transmission around the world. But $16 billion is the estimated cost of canceling the games. And the first international athletes from Australia's women's softball have already arrived. Every Olympian has to sign a waiver releasing Tokyo from any liability. But if the games do go on, about 15,000 spectators from nearly 200 countries still have to fly home. And if there is an Olympic surge, we may be facing another wave around the world. Nora? Ramey Innocencio, thank you. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. The FBI has opened an investigation into U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. The probe centers on political fundraising activity when he was in the private sector. Workers at the North Carolina company where he was CEO told The Washington Post he paid them bonuses for contributing to Republican candidates. DeJoy denies violating any laws. Famed criminal defense attorney Effley Bailey has died. His high-profile clients included publishing heiress Patricia Hearst, the Boston Strangler, and O.J. Simpson. Effley Bailey was 87 years old. And how does New York to London in three and a half hours sound? Well, United Airlines says it's buying 15 supersonic jets from a startup company called Boom. They'd be the first since the Concorde was grounded 18 years ago. Flights could begin in 2029. 
Graduations are a reason to celebrate, especially when you've waited decades for your diploma. Here's CBS's Omar Villafranca. 697 students are graduating from Alvin High School. Pat Moore is there to see his great-granddaughter, Brissa. You excited? Oh, heck yeah. But she isn't the only member of the Moore family to graduate this year. Moore almost graduated 76 years ago from Alvin High School. What happened? Verna Browning failed me. In what subject? English literature, and I hate to read. <laughs> so he came back the following year, but this time... Uncle Sam was calling, so I had to go. A few months before graduation, Moore was drafted into the Army Air Corps. After nearly four years of service, he came home to fly crop duster planes and start a family. Being a dad and a pilot left little time for school. But earlier this year, in a small ceremony, Moore finally received his diploma, the class of 1946. What made you want to come back and get your diploma and graduate? That little girl right there. And tonight, he proudly passed the torch. I love you. You've probably accomplished a lot in your life. Where does this rank? Way up there. At 93, Pat Moore proves that age, like the year on a diploma, is just a number. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, Alvin, Texas. Tomorrow, a happy update on 95-year-old lovebirds. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.